Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. 3, 20, and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Peter huddled down by the fire. He drew his cloak around him, gathering warmth. His mind was racing, I'm sure, trying to make sense of all of the things that had just happened in the past couple days and in the past week. I mean, it was only a week ago that Jesus came into the city triumphantly, the crowds shouting Hosanna, the Savior that we've been waiting for has come, his fulfillment of what he intended to do, what he came to do, surely was near. Finally, the recognition that was deserving of the Christ was coming. And that's just seven days ago, about. And here Peter is on what may have been a cold night. Certainly there was coolness and lack of warmth inside of him because he had just seen that same Savior that same leader, that Messiah, taken by the religious leaders. And he had gotten word that there was a trial that was going on, that Jesus was being charged with what he surely didn't know, what, what crime had Jesus committed. And so all this is going on and his mind is racing and he's trying to figure things out. How did we get here? How did things turn so quickly? I imagine you've been in a situation like this before where things were kind of going along okay and suddenly just like the world fell apart. And he's hanging around because he wants to know what's going on with Jesus and he wants to... He's, Jesus, one of Jesus' disciples. This is the man who has done so much for him. The son of God, the person he's basically abandoned everything for. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He wants to hear news of the trial. And he wants to be faithful to his Lord. Probably that little forewarning that Jesus gave him earlier that night was kind of ringing in the back of, my mind, of his mind, maybe. Where Jesus, the one whom he loved, said, yes, but Peter, you'll betray me. And so he's kind of lost in thought and he's trying to figure things out and suddenly somebody goes, well, yeah, that's, that's one of his followers right there. And he kind of comes to his senses 
And he realizes that it's some of the guards that are talking about him. Yeah, you were with Jesus, weren't you? We, we remember seeing you. And in just a moment of terror, he panics. No, 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 you're thinking of somebody else. No, I'm, I'm positive. I'm positive you were there with him. I remember. I remember you distinctly. No, you're, you're crazy. That wasn't me. That was somebody else. And again, he's questioned. No, you were one of the disciples, right? I've seen you with him. And again, Peter denies his Lord. And of course, we know the rooster crows and he recognizes that exactly what Christ predicted had come true. He had betrayed his Lord. And I just imagine, or I can only imagine, what it felt like in that moment for Peter. Just how defeated he must have felt. Ashamed, embarrassed, powerless. What if he had confessed his following of Christ? What would have happened then? He didn't know, but he certainly was afraid, obviously. And I think that we all can really identify with that. Because there's been moments in all of our lives where we have felt defeated and afraid and ashamed and powerless. But what is so interesting about Peter's story is you just fast forward just like 40 days, just a little over a month to the day of Pentecost. And do you remember that part of the story? The disciples are there, they're in the upper room, they're praying. Jesus has told them, wait for, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And it comes. The Holy Spirit comes. He comes, I should say. In Acts 2, it tells us that they're there praying and the Holy Spirit comes and there's the rushing of a great wind and noise and people start speaking in tongues and the people in the city are like, what in the world's going on over there? And Peter comes out the same one who just not long before had denied Christ, the same one comes out in front of everyone, in front of the city, and says, look, you all think that we're drunk. No, no, no. It's still early in the morning. We haven't been hitting it this early. We're not drunk. This is the power of the Spirit that's on us. And he boldly steps forward. And declares Christ. And not just does he declare Christ, not only does he acknowledge publicly his own following and his own connection with and his own um, loyalty to Christ, no matter the consequence, but he even dares to make accusation. No, I'm following the one, the Christ, the one who you crucified. 
Talk about a bold turnaround, right? What happened? What happened in that short span? Now, you know, in our contemporary world, you'd have somebody who puts together a little seminar. 40 days to a new you. You know, just $99.99 would take payments. You know, you do installments, that's fine. But no, 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 no. It's not about that. We know that the real thing that happened was that the power of the Holy Spirit came. That's what happened. That's what happened. The power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning... As we think about the life of Peter and our own lives. I mean, Peter was the perfect choice for Jesus as one of his disciples. Do you know why? Not because Peter was so magnificent. I mean, he was just a common fisherman before Jesus got a hold of him. He was just like any of us, just going about his business. Just going out, casting his nets, pulling in fish, earning a living. Day in, day out, just doing his thing. But what made Peter so great as a disciple for us to look at is that all his flaws are just right out there on the surface. They're just right out there in the open. See, we're all flawed, we're all weak. What makes Peter so great is that he's an example for us. It's like, look, if you can use that guy, you can use any one of us. Because he was no more or flawed than any of us, more or less flawed than any of us. So, What was going on with Peter then was the filling of the Holy Spirit. We understand that. We see that clearly in Acts 2. But it seems very much like this was all part of the plan that Jesus had in the first place. It's not like this was just kind of being made up on the fly. See, if we go back to John 14, this is the night of... That same night, this was earlier that same night where Jesus, where Peter's huddled by the fire, confused, he betrays Christ. But this time, this is a little bit earlier, and they're in the upper room together. Jesus and all of the disciples there, and they're having the Passover feast. Right? And the Passover feast was that meal that they shared together where the Jewish people celebrated the deliverance from captivity in Egypt. Now, how appropriate, because what did Christ's crucifixion represent? It represented our deliverance from captivity and sin, right? The same night, same celebration. But they're up in the upper room together, and Jesus... He knows what's going on, right? He knows 
my work's just about done here. Because a little while later, they head out into the garden and he's praying, Lord, if this cup could be passed from me, Father, if this cup could be passed from me, but not my will, but your will be done. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows his work is almost done. So what do you do when you know that your work is almost done? You give your marching orders to your successors. And that's what Jesus is doing in the upper room. It's like, I'm about to go, fellas, but here's what's going to happen. And in chapter 14, starting with verse 13, no, start with verse 12. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Right? So he's saying, look, you've seen my ministry. I'm heading out. You guys are staying here. But your work's going to be just as great. You're going to do the same kinds of things that I did. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's... That's a tall order. You've read about Jesus, right? All of the wild things that he did, all of the amazing things that he did, there's a reason why he was creating an uproar in that whole part of the world. Because he was doing amazing, exceptional things. And now he's saying, and you're going to do those things too. And if I had been in that room, I'd be going, whoa, Jesus, what are you talking about? I can't do that. Look, I'm just, I'm just a fisherman. I'm just, the, I'm just this guy. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, he says. And then in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And there's the key. Here's the secret. So remember what happens. Peter goes out. Now, Peter, that night where he betrays Christ, is he saved? Yeah, he's saved. We can make mistakes. Is he still one of Christ? Does he still belong to the Lord? Absolutely. What he lacked was power. The power that he needed that Christ had. And that doesn't come until later. And he says, here's the secret, guys. The Holy Spirit abides with you and will be in you. And so let's unpack that just a little bit. With you, the Holy Spirit is with you. Now, you might say, well, okay, big deal. Like a lot of people are with me all the time. But I think that we don't really appreciate the power of presence. Do you know what it's like to be truly alone? Truly alone. But Jesus says, you don't ever have to be alone because the Holy Spirit is with you. Have you ever tried to 
do something challenging and you just realize that you needed somebody there with you. Just somebody by your side. For example, you needed to have a very difficult conversation with somebody, with another person. And you just needed an ally to go with you, right? Or you're going to try something challenging, a new feat, open a new business, or engage in something that you've never done before. Yesterday, um, I took my sons, for my son's um, 15th birthday coming up tomorrow, I took my sons to play Airsoft at this Airsoft camp. I don't know, field, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what, what you call it. But we pulled up, right? And it's, you know, my 15-year-old son and his two friends and my 12-year-old son and his friend. We pull up, and there's guys that are, like, in full camo, like, with the, the chest plate and, like, all this stuff, gear tucked in. They've got helmets. This guy's wearing a backpack with the, you know, the antennas coming out. they got full comm set up, like... I'm talking about, re, like, these people were there to do business. We were there for a birthday, and they're there to do war. And it's like, boy, if you're just rolling up on that by yourself, just completely by yourself, that would be really, really intimidating. But when you're rolling up with a crew... You just get out together and you have fun and you just tackle it together. Having someone with you matters a lot. It changes the whole game. And he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. I work at a seminary, and um, the job that I work at, there's a very long, protracted process to get from the point of not working at the seminary <laughs> to the point of being hired by the seminary. It's a very long, grueling process. There's a series of interviews, you have to give presentations, you do more interviews. I did probably three or four interviews. One of those interviews was with the full like faculty body there. So there's like 30 or 40 people who are interviewing you, right? Talk about intimidating. Sheesh. But I had a secret weapon. Well, I had my wife, first of all. That, that's the main thing. She was my support. But I had, I had an inside man. It's a man named Dr. Rodney Cooper. And um, he was with me. See, Rod Cooper was my teacher when I was a student. And then he was my friend. And then he was my uh, first boss when I came in as administration 
And all through that process, he saw something in me. And he continued to speak into my life. And he continued to pour into my life. And he advocated for me. He advocated for me. And whenever I had a misstep and didn't do so well in one of those interviews, he would come along behind and say, no, no, guys, you don't understand. This is our guy. This is our guy. He was with me. And Christ said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. To be with you like that. Now, the Holy Spirit is not just with us. He's also in us. And that changes things, right? It's one thing to have presence. That's good. That's real good. So that's probably enough in the wide, wide variety of, of situations. But he's not just with us. He's in us also. Because when something gets in you, it changes you. It changes your very being. See, there's a reason that those guys at the gym who are all bulked up, you know, and they're all muscly, and, you know, they got veins bulging everywhere. There's a reason they look like that. I mean, yes, they lift weights, but do you know what else they do? They put particular things in their body. And I don't mean, you know, not, I'm not talking about juicing. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I mean, some of them do that too. But I'm talking about the things they put in their body. They put different things in their body than people who look like this put in their body, right? This is what you get when you put cake in your body. They're putting like lean proteins and chicken and beans and stuff like that, right? What you put in your body matters. What you put in your spirit matters. And when the Holy Spirit is in you and is indwelling you, God is in you. And it changes the makeup, the character of who you are. I even knew one guy, or heard about one guy, who ate so many carrots, he turned orange. If you can turn orange from eating carrots, carrots, you think it's not going to make a difference when the Holy Spirit abides in you? Yeah, it is. And then the Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And then the result, the Holy Spirit works through you works through you. When the Holy Spirit came on that day during Pentecost, it wasn't just that they were filled up and spoke with tongues and felt the presence of the Lord. That all was fantastic. But then what happened? They went out and they became witnesses, right? They became witnesses. The, the scripture says, you will go and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria 
and even into the ends of the earth. Now, do you, we, we may be, if we're not really familiar with ancient near Middle Eastern geography, we, we may not understand the significance of that little line there. But Jerusalem, that's where they were. Judea, that was the country that they were in. Samaria was the country right next door or the land right next door. And then the ends of the earth. Do you see what's happening there? He's saying, you're going to be my witnesses right where you are. And then I'm going to expand your sphere of influence and you're going to have more influence and you're going to influence the country. And then you're going to go out into the next country over and you're going to go over there to Samaria and you're going to be my witness there. And I'm going to take it all the way to the ends of the earth. Not just the big guys. Everyone who has the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you and I will abide in you and I will work through you, says the Holy Spirit. Right? And it's for that purpose. Why? To be a witness for Christ. And now all of a sudden it clicks, right? What was Peter unable to do without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? He was unable to stand and be a witness for Christ. He needed that empowerment. And without it, he was afraid and he betrayed. But with it, he came out and he stood at the temple and he proclaimed the message of God. And there even came some other things with it. Like he even healed people sometimes. That is what the Holy Spirit is intended for with us. And so there's three things that I want to move us towards closing with this morning. And truth number one, and that is that the Holy Spirit is essential for Christian living. The Holy Spirit is essential. We cannot do Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And it's not just for going out there and proclaiming the gospel, although that's part of it. It's also for our sanctification. Sanctification, what's that? That's just the process that God uses to kind of clean us up. Right? To draw out all that is of the enemy and of the world and draw us into himself. And how does he do that? First of all, he's with us. He speaks to us. He abides with us. He dwells with us. And then he's in us. He empowers us. He empowers us to make certain choices, to make certain changes, for certain habits to change, for certain decisions to change. When he's with us, he's kind of like, he's talking to us, right? He's whispering in our ear. No, th go this way. No, that's not the right choice for you. This is the right choice for you. And then the empowerment enables us to actually walk it out, right? Once you have the right choice in mind, then you got to actually put it to action, right? You can't just think about it. You got to follow through with it. And then as you do that, he works through you and other people start going, wait a minute now, you used to be like this. Now you're like this. What's going on? I thought I knew you. You were this kind of person over here. You were the kind of person who would deny Christ and betray him. And now you're proclaiming him 
from the city square. What happened? Christ, wor- I mean, the Holy Spirit working through you, right? Truth number two, the Holy Spirit regulates his power. Now, we've been talking a lot about power this morning. And for some people, that is a scary word. And the reason it's scary is because it's been misused in your life. There's been somebody with power who has hurt you, who has abused their authority. It could be a pastor or somebody in ministry. It could be a boss. It could have been a parental figure early early in your life. And if someone is using their power to hurt you, they're using their power inappropriately. And that is not the way that the Holy Spirit works. They say the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I don't necessarily know that that's true. But I know that the Holy Spirit's power is used not to hurt. I think about times where I've been wrestling with my kids. Yeah, you know, my kids love to wrestle. And so I remember, you know, it's getting harder because my oldest is about to turn 15, as I said, and he's about as tall as I am now. And so when he joins in the fray, it's harder for me to keep all three of them at bay, especially when I'm kind of gimped up like this. But when, when, he, when they were smaller and I would wrestle all three of them, it was so easy to take them all down, right? It's just like, boop, and one of them goes flying across the room. I mean, not really. You don't really, you don't really send your kids flying across the room. But you could. You could. That's the point. And the point is, as a good dad, you don't. What you use your strength for while you're wrestling is to protect them. Right? So I'm just as focused on making sure that my body weight is not crushing them. That I'm just using just enough power to move them around and keep them off me and not utterly crushing them. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how the Holy Spirit does power. The Holy Spirit regulates His power. And He asks us, don't seek me just for the power. And don't look for all of the bells and whistles and spectacularness. Just look for what you need in the moment. And then the third truth is that spiritual power must be activated by you. By you. It must be activated by you. See, the Holy Spirit's with us all the time, but just because He's with us all the time doesn't mean that we're accessing Him. It doesn't mean that we're making use of Him. If I had like, you know, if I'm out on the job and I'm hiring somebody to, to come alongside me and, and to partner with me on the job, and every time that person tries to help out, I'm like, nah, no thanks. Go wait in the car. Or, you know, what, what good is he? What good is that person? 
The Holy Spirit is with us, but if we don't connect with Him, if we don't invite Him in, He's not empowering us in the way that He could be. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about the ways that he could boast about who he is. And all of the things that he's gone through. And then he starts talking about this thorn in the flesh that he's given. And we don't quite know what this is. But he says, I asked three times for the Lord to remove it. Concerning this, in verse 8, concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And so we say, who, me? I have to activate the Holy Spirit? Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm just me. And I have these weaknesses and I have these flaws. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Peter. Just like Peter. Spiritual power must be activated by you. And here's how you do it. You start to look. You start to look. You start to look for opportunities. And you start to invite him in. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, come. Help me with this. Help me with this today. Help me to see that you're with me. Help me to feel that you're in me. Work through me. And you invite him. And you connect with him. And he connects with you. And let me tell you something. He shows up. He shows up. And I don't know how he's going to show up for you. I don't know what exactly it's going to look like. But I know him and I know who he is. And he keeps his promise. And so if you look for it and you will invite him in, he will be there. So this is your homework. I don't know. This is your action step, right? You look and invite. Look and invite. So Holy Spirit, show me places where I can partner with you today. Holy Spirit, show me how you want to work in and through me today. And he'll be there. And it'll probably look different than you expect. And it doesn't mean that it won't be hard. But he'll be there because he's with you and he is in you and he wants to work through you and he needs you to invite him into, into your life in that way. I'm going to pray and we're going to have some people here up at the front, my wife and I among them, to pray for you. If you would like just a fresh connection and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's not my power. It's the Holy Spirit power. 
we're going to be up here to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit empowerment. We thank you so much, Father, that you have given us your Son, Christ, who came, who did the work on the cross. And we thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to come and abide with us and to be in us. Work through us, Lord. Work through us in sanctification. Work through us in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Work through us in partnering in all kinds of kingdom work in this world. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.